Hey everyone, welcome to Sunday Commutes, a podcast where I combine the worlds of web development and business and share my experiences. This is episode 53 where I'll be talking about building APIs. So I'll be explaining what APIs are and how I've been uh, building one recently with uh, Node.js. So I start off with uh, the cool thingy of the week that I think you should check out. It's basically just this unrelated tidbit that I want to share, something I think uh, is pretty cool, so you should check it out. So I watched a movie called Fahrenheit 451, or Fahrenheit 451, I'm not sure how you say that. Um, So a couple of cool things about it, it's on HBO by the way, Um, but the main actor actually is the villain from Black Panther. Hence the shirt that I got on right now. Uh, if you're not watching the video and you're listening to the audio, uh, I'm wearing a Black Panther t-shirt. But uh, it's an interesting concept for a movie. It's basically, it's based on a book. And the ironic part is that the movie is about burning books. So essentially the government wants to take over um, or create like a utopian kind of society where there's no philosophy, there's no, like, uh, there's no books for you to wonder about, like, uh, you know, what's the right answer to a certain question. The government kind of uh, tells you outright what the answer would be. Um, so they'll lie about certain things. And there's a lot of complex things that go on. And it's, it's, a, it's a decent movie. I wouldn't say it's great. Uh, but I did enjoy watching it. So, you know, don't let my description uh, tell you how good the movie is. I'd rather you watch the trailer at least. Um, But the actor, I think it's really interesting to see what kind of movies he'll play in. Uh, I haven't really seen him in other movies besides Black Panther and Fahrenheit 451, so it's it's quite interesting to see what kind of roles he'll play, uh, because I really like him uh, for the types of characters that he does play. So let's get on to talking about APIs. So for anyone that's unfamiliar, let me first explain what APIs are and why you might want to use them uh, or build one yourself. So API stands for Application Programming Interface, and it's essentially a way for different applications to talk to one another and access each other's data. So uh, a quick example would be the Twitter API. So Twitter, you know, people post tweets um, and their search functionality and different things. Um, Maybe you want to be able to log in uh, with a Twitter account in a different application or access certain tweets. So an API would allow you to do that. So Twitter offers that through the Twitter API and you can you know, have people log in with Twitter, um, access their tweets, maybe be able to uh, do a search on certain uh, phrases. So depending on type of application you might want to build, maybe you want to integrate Twitter into your uh, current application or you're building a whole new app and it's set it centered around Twitter um, and that's just a simple example uh, you might want to you know there's many different APIs that you might want to use uh, but it's essentially a way for an application or a service to say here's an official way for others to access our data and that gives them a lot more control in terms of you know there's uh, bad uh, you know people on the internet that might want to steal certain data or uh, shut a service down by you know hitting it with a bunch of uh, requests. So by having an API kind of say, okay, 
here's the way that we expect people to access our data. And through that, we can do some rate limiting. You can, um, you know, block certain uh, users that are uh, trying to access the API. And, you know, why would you want to use like an API in compared to like other techniques? Because there's one other popular technique for accessing a services data. And that is uh, through web crawling. So this is like, uh, I guess, kind of an unofficial API or way to access uh, a website's data. And essentially what you do is um, something similar to what Google does when they crawl the web and uh, find links to show in their search results. So what you have is just a machine, a bot crawl a website and that website will browse the source code of that site, uh, grab the pieces of data that it needs and then stores it you know, in its own database or does whatever it wants with it. Um, and this is an unofficial way uh, things can potentially break if you're relying on web crawling because the source code can change. So an API is like an official way so you can be guaranteed that you know through versioning and through official documentation of how that data is going to be represented, you can know for sure, okay, you know, unless the service goes down or unless the API goes down, uh, this is how I'll be accessing the data and I can guarantee that it's going to be available. Uh, now web crawling is you know perfectly fine way to uh, access data sometimes. Sometimes you have to do it this way. For example, Google, uh, that's what they do. Uh, Facebook does this as well when they need to grab certain metadata information when you post the link. Uh, but for the most part, it's not a very, I guess, safe way or dependable way for you to access a services or applications data. So that's why you might want to use an API simply just access data from a third party service. Um, so now let's get to talking about building APIs. Um, and I wanna kind of share a little bit of my background first in terms of uh, backend languages typically or actually you have to use a backend language. So, you know, there's front-end languages like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and you can't really build an API through those. I mean, I guess, you know, you're not really accessing a database or anything. I guess you could offer like a JSON file, but for the most part, you're gonna be building an API with a backend language. Um, these are, your, you know, your Python, your uh, Java, your PHP, um, JavaScript through Node.js and different things like that. So uh, for me, I've been building uh, not necessarily APIs, but just like uh, dynamic websites with PHP for a very long time, for you know a couple of years. Um, basically, I you know, started out with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, but then when I learned about uh, PHP, which is a backend programming language, and learned how you can easily just make a website dynamic, um, the idea, and this is like pretty new at the time, but the idea of like having uh, common parts of your website, you can easily just store those in a single file. It's like a header or a footer, and then you can share those uh, within your multiple pages in your site. And uh, PHP allowed you to do this really easily. Um, so it's like a templating language. Granted, now we have things like static site generators and multitudes of templating uh, systems, but uh, PHP was kind of uh, revolutionary in what it did and how easy it did uh, because a lot of servers just had PHP, so it was really easy to get up and running. And um, and of course, you could use PHP to 
access a database, uh, have like a login system, you know, users could create accounts and stuff. So I went to creating a lot of um, just very kind of rich applications. I've built a very like a, a bunch of social networks actually. I've tried to clone like Twitter, tried to build a niche networks for like uh, developers and stuff. So I uh, definitely used PHP uh, for a long time to build multiple, multiple types of websites. Um, and then I, you know, first that was like just, just purely in PHP, but then I came across a framework called Laravel, which is a PHP framework that allows you to build web applications very quickly. And uh, you can think of it like a Ruby on Rails. So Ruby on Rails is a framework similar to Laravel, but it's built in Ruby and it came before Laravel, but uh, Laravel is essentially I like to think the Ruby on Rails for uh, PHP. So depending on you know what language you might be using, uh, you know Laravel for PHP is something that I think is really good to consider. And it was a really great framework, honestly. Uh, now, obviously, I've switched recently uh, to using Node, and I'll explain kind of why I'm making that switch. But regardless, I think that Laravel is still a really great framework. A lot of big websites still use it. Now, while I don't think it's perfect for APIs because it's really initially was built for um, monolithic type applications where you don't really have an API, you're just kind of accessing the database uh, directly and then you're rendering views with that data. So it's kind of like server-side rendering, but you're not really abstracting logic um, separately. So um, the other great thing about Laravel though is that um, so it's not great for APIs, but the main thing about it that I think is really beneficial is for MVPs and for startups. So if you really need to get up and running quickly, uh, Laravel kind of had a lot of uh, common things that websites had uh, built in. So most websites, you know, you need authentication, you need users to be able to sign in either through social or just creating an account with your email them able to sign in and you know keep their session and stuff. Laravel had that built in and it kind of integrated throughout the framework as well. Kind of came with like a user's table, um, password resets and stuff like that. Um, so there was that and then there's like other common things you might want to do like storing files, whether that be in the file system or in like Amazon S3 uh, and I don't know, like payments, it had that built in. So that integration with like Stripe and Braintree. And a lot of these things are just like things that you don't want to build over and over. And so Laravel did a really good job of being more of a web framework instead of just, oh, here's a easy way to like, you know, build like a simple CRUD application, which is like create, read, update, delete. Um, it had more like services built in that you commonly would have to code yourself, but you know, made it easy just by having it built in. Um, and I also want to like shout out to the the creator of uh, Laravel because I feel like I learned a lot of um, kind of good techniques about programming, about building services in general in terms of just being realistic. You know, there's frameworks uh, that are kind of just, you know, they let you build certain things pretty easily, but they don't consider the real world um, scenarios, which a business would expect. So payments and storage and authentication. Uh, and he even built like a starter uh, project um, on top of Laravel that like 
would essentially um, take you to like from step one to step two um, in building like software as a service. So it would have automatic like subscription billing, allowing users to view uh, their invoices and stuff. They'd have to build um, manually, even with Laravel. It kind of assumed a lot of things, but it would um, allow you to build very quickly. So, so Taylor, Taylor Otwell, um, I was kind of uh, very, uh, I was very like ingrained in the Laravel community. So I followed a lot of stuff that he did and um, his kind of thought processes on uh, building certain things on the web and his ideas with Laravel and things like that. So I still think, you know, it's a really great framework and I still recommend it, but there are really two main reasons why I've switched. The first I already kind of stated, Laravel wasn't really great for APIs. Now they might've improved and they were improving when I was still using it, but uh, I think there are better solutions for building uh, specifically just APIs. So I wanted a framework that was not bloated. Um, you know, I didn't want to have like an MVC where you had a uh, typical like HTML views and stuff. Instead, I just want like purely just interact with the database and, uh, and just return JSON data. Um, the second thing is I want to aim for like this uh, universal JavaScript approach to building anything. So uh, with building uh, like a software as a service or a web app, you know, you have a front end, which is going to be JavaScript, but then your back end can be any language. Now, when you have a single developer like myself that's trying to build it, uh, which can be good and bad. Obviously, it's good to have a team, and uh, typically I will work other, with other people, uh, but I think there's definitely a lot of power in being able to not depend on anyone and kind of just focus on just getting things done and have, being able to be you know, full-stack developer so you can build uh, both the front-end and the back-end. And so that's really my main goal is that I want there to be less of a cognitive switch between uh, you know, different languages. So when I'm jumping uh, between the front end, which is in JavaScript, to the back end, which used to be PHP, uh, different tooling, different syntax, different languages. Uh, and even on a team, this can be a really big deal because, you know, if you have kind of uh, front end developers that only do front end, um, and then you, you know, maybe one day you don't have anyone. Uh, specifically to fix something in the backend API or, you know, really what I'm trying to say here is that your developers should be fairly flexible to dive into certain pieces of a web application, whether it be the front end, the back end, or like DevOps, or perhaps even knowing just certain business aspects. So with universal JavaScript, you're able to you know, dive into the back end, which is going to be the same language, so same t syntax um, and same tooling as well. Things like, you know, ESLint and uh, same like unit testing frameworks. And this can allow you to have a smaller team that works on multiple things. Now, it's good to still specialize, of course, um, but you'll have a smaller team that can jump in between certain things. And um, that, of course, it's cheaper from a business perspective. Uh, but then it's also just allows uh, those developers to work more quickly and switch between uh, different systems like that. So I really like this concept of universal JavaScript. Um, and it's great for anyone that's, you know, developer and a, a business person or like entrepreneur who's trying to build the app and, you know, not have to like switch in their mind between two different languages, which 
can really slow you down because you have to re-antiquate yourself and get used to like you know the new environment that you're in and then you're like oh let me go fix something on the front end and they just you have to kind of reset your brain uh, every time you do that all right so what's this new framework that I've been using that's in JavaScript so it's called feathers uh, feathers JS it's built on top of node.js and there's a lot of things I like about it so I wanted to find something similar to Laravel in terms of having something that allowed me to build an API very quickly uh, but I also didn't want it to get in my way when I wanted to do some custom functionality or something that the framework didn't really prepare for so I first looked at sales.js and it seemed really good um, I played around with it a little bit but overall I found issues in terms of it being uh, very bloated it wasn't specific just for APIs it was closer to Laravel in uh, making it easier to build like uh, to build like monolithic applications and it focused more on an MVC approach where you had like those views and models and such but uh, overall I found it to be kind of more bloated and more featureful uh, compared to like something that I just want a lot simpler just for building APIs so feathers what I like about it is that it's uh, very lightweight it's actually a thin layer on top of Express and you can swap out Express if you want you can use any kind of node HTTP library um, but yeah it's a very thin layer uh, on top of Express and the way it works is through multiple um, I get well basically you have uh, services hooks um, events and then you have authentication built in similar to Laravel and you can set up your services to do anything so I'll get into these um, in a bit but some of the other features of feathers is that it uh, allows real-time uh, functionality so you know if, if you have some type of data that's inserted on the back end and then you want your front end to be notified of that immediately so typically you'll have like a messaging application that might want to use real-time functionality. So if someone sends a message, gets stored in the database, uh, you don't want the, the front end to lag and wait, you know, for the next time it like pulls or asks to see if there's a new message. Instead, the back end is able to right away send an event that says, hey, there's a new message. Uh, so whoever needs to see this, you know, the front end can decide what to do with that. And uh, so that's one pretty big feature, honestly. Um, which I didn't think I would utilize right away, but I have started in this recent project that I'm working on. Uh, and Feather is very flexible, it's simple, uh, and it also allows very easy client integration. So, you know, once you build your API, typically you'll need a way to connect to it, and you'll use a Ajax library like Axios or just Fetch in the browser. Uh, but what's nice about Feathers is that it has a client library, so it actually really takes on this approach of universal JavaScript very seriously because it offers, um, obviously, a back-end API framework. But then it also offers a client framework as well. So you can use a client framework to access uh, your services the same way that you would on the back-end. So if you need to send off a query, you need to find some data or create a new piece of data, you can do it with essentially the same syntax, which is really powerful, and uh, I've definitely learned to love um, using it. So, 
Uh, let's get into the different things uh, within Feathers that it provides you. So first is services, and this is kind of your uh, your kind of your uh, sorry something just popped up. So services are basically like uh, the main core pieces of your application. Uh, in an API, you would consider this to be like your endpoints. So you'll access the these services on like api.example.com slash books. So books would be your service. Um, you might have a user service or an authentication service. Uh, and these uh, the way these work is they give you uh, CRUD operations. So you build these with different methods that allow you to create, read, update, and delete. And this is kind of the way that Feathers forces you to create your services so that uh, they can then apply logic on top of that. So if you need pagination, that is very easily done. If you need uh, a service just to be like a model for your database table, you can do that. So you can have like a user service, for example. And so if you need to query that service, it'll just, you know, you say uh, app.service users.find and it'll find based on, well, first it'll just return all of your users in your database, but uh, you can apply certain queries to it. It's like, you know, I want this specific user ID or uh, where the name is this, and it'll just return those results. Um, if you want to delete something, you just call delete with the ID, uh, so on and so forth. And the powerful thing about services is that while Feathers forces you to write them in a certain way, you know, they give you like these methods, essentially it's just a class, and you, um, and you just add certain methods to it. Um, they don't really force you to like in terms of what code you put in there. So it could connect to a database. It could connect to another API, like a third-party service. Uh, you could do some processing, some custom functionality. It doesn't really matter. And so Feathers kind of gets out of your way in terms of what you want to build your API for. If you need some custom functionality, um, and in this app that I'm building, there's definitely a lot of uh, custom functionality where I'm uh, parsing certain pieces of data. And so services allow me to create services that are specific to my uh, application and what kind of the business is trying to do there. Um, the second big piece is hooks. And this is a way for you to hook into a service and uh, do certain things either before uh, the user accesses uh, or before yeah, once once a user accesses a service, it can do stuff before and after uh, a result is, is returned. So stuff in before you might want to do things like validation. You might want to validate um, that you're allowed to access that service, or let's say it's a user service. You know, should you be able to uh, access uh, users that are not your own, or you know, delete a user ID that's not that, that's not you. So you might want to do some validation, some authorization there. And then in then in an after hook, you can um, modify the result. So modify the data before it's returned to the browser. This is really useful for, you know, not or making sure that the password is not shown, um, you know, in the API result. Um, and that's kind of just the tip of the iceberg. You can do a lot of cool things with hooks. So and, and honestly, like those like services and hooks, that's really all you need 
for a full featured API. And this is like a super quick way of building it because Feathers already adds uh, functionality on top and there's multiple libraries for, you know, services that you can just pull in or hooks that you can apply. This allows it to be very flexible, but also not having to uh, reinvent the wheel on a lot of, you know, common functionality. So chances are someone's already built like a, a mail service already that integrates with um, Mailgun or some other popular uh, email service. And then of course you have events, um, which I mean, it's just an event system, you know, PubSub type of stuff. Um, pub, you know, and there are some events already built in. So if you want to listen to when you know, a user is created, uh, you would listen onto that, uh, that service, uh, the user service and you listen to on the create event. Um, there's all the multiple other events that are already built in that you can listen on to, but of course you can publish your own events uh, if you want to. Now I already mentioned uh, authentication a lot and uh, Feathers does have it built in, which is really nice. Uh, there are some things that I found that I had to kind of build manually, which is not something that I enjoy doing, especially after Laravel kind of already had it built in. However, because it's an API, um, Feathers does make it easy to do uh, JSON web token uh, authentication and social authentication. The thing that I kind of struggled with is doing the kind of annoying stuff with uh, password resets um, and like password changes, uh, sending out emails when certain things happen. So if you're changing a password, it should notify you through email. And there's a library that, the, that I've been able to use. I think it's like um, Feathers Authentication or Authentication Management, something like that. Uh, but that API for that's kind of um, not as straightforward, I felt like. And I had to like integrate it into my API and make sure that everything was secure and worked the way it was supposed to. Um, but overall, I got it working. Um, so authentication definitely can get um, kind of social authentication, JSON web token, um, you know, path password resets, uh, sending out emails and stuff in about a day. So this stuff is still pretty easy to work with. And uh, yeah, and the last thing, like I already mentioned this, um, but you can set up your service, services to really do anything that you want. So yeah, Feathers, for the most part, it's been um, a really enjoyable experience. And I find that Kind of moving forward it's going to be a really good framework for building apis it's um you know it's stable uh they haven't really changed much between versions which is good and so if you're looking at certain tutorials you can expect that that code should work in the latest version there's a community around it so i've been able to find you know questions answered on stack overflow uh, find youtube tutorials um, there's even a slack channel for it so there's definitely enough help if you're trying to build an API and you're really, you know, worried about like, okay, I want something that a framework that's popular enough where there's a community around it in case I need help or in case I'm looking to find as many libraries as possible to make building the API quicker. So yeah, so, you know, and, and the idea of like this universal JavaScript um, with Feathers uh, offering a client uh, framework and uh, just having that integration very uh, very good between 
or like seamless between the back end and the front end. Uh, it's just it's just really awesome, honestly. And I've really been enjoying just being able to use JavaScript on both and the same tools for linting, uh, unit testing, you know, and just kind of the same syntax overall with writing uh, modern ES6. So yeah, definitely check it out, feathersjs.com, I believe it is. Let me check that really quick. Yes, it's feathersjs.com and their kind of thing when you go to the site says an open source REST and real-time API layer for modern applications, which is pretty descriptive of what it does. And it says uh, also with Feathers, you can build prototypes in minutes and production ready real-time backends and REST APIs in days, seriously. Uh, I don't know if you can build a full API in a couple of days, but if it's fairly simple and also, you know, if you're not stuck with like learning feathers, which doesn't really take you much, um, there's a learning curve to it, but once you get used to it, everything just really makes sense. Um, but for very simple APIs, you can definitely build a, an API in a couple days. So, you know, it depends on what you're doing. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it. So, you know, and, and none, none of these are sponsors, by the way, I uh, just, these are the frameworks that I've been using and, you know, and I really enjoy using them. So let me know if you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you've used Feathers before, if you've used other frameworks, let me know what your experience has been with those. <clears throat> um, you know, if, what you think of APIs, um, what you think about like this architecture of separating out your front end um, and your back end. Do you think that's the quickest way? to build applications or do you still prefer a monolithic approach with something like Laravel or Ruby on Rails where you're not building an API, you're just building it all kind of uh, mushed together. So uh, you can call in if you want to answer any of those questions and give me feedback um, on the Anchor app. So find Sunny Commutes on there. Uh, you can download the Anchor app on your phone and do a call in or a comment on this episode. You can also tweet me at sunnysync.io. Um, I also post a video version of this podcast on YouTube, which you might be watching right now. Uh, if you are, definitely leave a comment. Um, but you can find that on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash sunnysync.tv. And I think that is it. Thank you for listening and for watching, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace.